Hello and welcome back to another episode of Ecoutant. My name is Izzy and I am the SU Secretary. I'm super excited to bring you this episode with Toby Hollins. Um, we will be discussing queerness in Paris, his dissertation and so much more. Um, in terms of stuff from the SU this week, our voting is open for the next SU. So please come and see us in the SU office and cast your vote. And we also have a venue for the end of year ball, which will be on Saturday, the 27th of May. Um, and tickets will be released for that soon. I really hope you enjoy this episode and let me know if you would like to be a guest on the podcast. Hi, Toby. Hello. How are you? I'm good. You having a good week? It's Monday, so who can who can say? Who, but yes, I'm going to anticipate a yes. <laughs> I need a yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm going to start with my quick fire questions. Number one, what is your best hidden gem in Paris? Oh, um, oh, it's not very hidden, but Père Lachaise. I love oh, Cimetière Père Lachaise. It's so gorgeous. It's like the most peaceful yeah. place I've managed to find within gorgeous. the periphery. Yeah. Love that. Number two, what is your go-to order at a bar? Um, a vodka something. A Moscow mule. Oh, yeah. Safe bet. I would say safe bet. Vodka's, One... vodka's a safe bet. You can't go wrong. No, you definitely I can't. feel like that's people that divides opinions, but <laughs> I, I think it's a safe yeah. bet. I've never had any problems. <laughs> Number three, what is your favourite module that you live in? Um, I'm going to say first year cultural studies nice because it's like the first time that your eyes are opened like I, the first time I learned <laughs> about the panopticon it blew my mind I yeah. feel like everything's from that is like built on it so yeah Definitely. cultural studies was the most enjoyable yeah I agree number four if you could have dinner with one person who would it be um Julie Andrews why I just I, a, I'm obsessed with her. B, she's the, I really like the sound of her voice. Like, I feel like she wouldn't even have to be saying anything particularly important. Nice. But um, she's very sweet. She comes across very well in interviews. Like, yeah. I don't think she's got a bad bone in her body. Gorgeous. And for those who don't know who Julie Andrews is. Ah, um, have you been living, living under a rock? <laughs> um, Julie Andrews, she plays um, Mary Poppins in the original Mary Poppins and Maria in The Sound of Music. And the Sound, oh, of, the Sound of Music is one of my favourite films. It's such a good film. And she had, yeah, with her. <laughs> and then, last question, what would your top tip be for anyone at or coming to you, Look. Um, oh, you get as much out of university as you put in. Solid. And that, that's quite vague, but like, yeah, no, that, I think that's it's so true. I try and live by that. You get as much out as you put in. Yeah, stunning, and that's why my French is not going as well as it should be. But no know. one's perfect. No one's I'm, perfect. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say that. Sit here and tell you that I'm fluent in French. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. So today, Toby, what would you mm. like to talk about? Um, I thought, well, I came to you, and I thought that I wanted to make a podcast with you. Mm -hmm. about uh, queer Paris. Gorgeous. So that's what we're doing today. It's so exciting. <laughs> um, so my first question would be, as a third year, how do you think ULIP has shaped you? Um, to be honest, I don't think I can accurately answer that question because I've not mm -hmm. finished yet. I feel like if yeah. you asked me again in a year, I'd be like, oh yeah, like ULIP formed me in X, Y, Z ways. But I think 
no one expects what to get out of university. No. I remember getting to the end of first year. I mean, that was like COVID and lockdown. So there wasn't much space for anything exciting to happen. But like, I liked Kiwis at the end of first year. And I never <laughs> thought in my life that I would like Kiwis. <laughs> and I don't know, my French has got better in ways that I didn't think that it could or would. Yeah. Like I'm not fluent, but like I can know how to interact. Like I was in a bar the other day for St. Patrick's Day and me and this other girl were quite drunk. And we had an interac interaction. I don't think any words were exchanged, but I knew how to make all of the right like French noises yeah. so that we knew exactly what was going on, if that makes sense. <laughs> Definitely. No, I totally yeah. agree. Do you think um, in terms of queerness that university is a space that can be quite formative for people? Um, yes, massively. I feel like just a lot of or the majority of people get to university when they're what, like 18, mm. 19. So I talk about it all the time. I feel like you get to the end of school and you feel like you're a fully formed human being. Yeah. And then you go to university and you go, oh, nope, that is, that is not the case. <laughs> um, so in terms, it's quite formative anyway, but I feel like ULIP specifically definitely has a space for queerness in terms of what it teaches, yeah. to be honest. Like I think compared to a lot of, you know, other courses at universities, French studies, both in terms of like, um, French thought as like a philosophical stronghold that might have its own like queer studies but has definitely influenced the likes of you know anglophone queer thinkers mm -hmm. around the world I think definitely queerness can be formed at ULIP in a very special way also because it's quite small yes I feel like if you know it's quite easy for ULIP students to rub off on each other <laughs> in a different in ways that they don't realize because we're all such close-knit like if you see someone wearing a main a really cool like queer outfit like if someone walks into Slay. uni and they don't, exactly it's like <laughs> no that's not weird to do with us but no. like in bigger universities it might you might have to not necessarily look for it but even if like queerness is like not your vibe yeah like you'll notice it at ULIP definitely because it is there because it's everywhere yeah and it's talked about a lot. And it's talked about a lot, yeah. but, which again comes back to it because it's in the modules. Like you do, yeah. you do those queer politics, you do crit theory, you learn subjectivity, all that. It's all yeah. there. Yeah, definitely. Super interesting. How do you think um, that French queerness can be experienced at ULIP? Um, I don't know. Well, Paris, first of all, you've got Paris at your fingertips. Yeah. So it's... A city that has its own like queer spaces things going on for you to go and see that are you know only ever going to be a metro ride yeah away um also what was the question again can you just repeat the word again? <laughs> <laughs> like it, how in different ways can we experience french queerness french queerness i think yeah because you're in france you're naturally going to be you're equipped with way more and you're going to be um diving into a world or like dipping your toes in whatever yeah. you're doing to um like queerness is such like a worldly thing like I feel like it's become a not a buzzword but a word that is used and has different meanings to different yeah. people yeah. so if the cultural like sphere that you're in is the French one it's gonna it's sure. like you're it, you're like I mean for me like well, there's not just English people at ULIP but mm -hmm. for my like London English <laughs> sense of self is going to be interacting with it in a different way as if I'd stayed in the UK. Yeah. What do you think the differences are between like French queerness and Anglophone? I, um, I think that's interesting. I feel like especially in the like French political moment we're mm -hmm. in right now, where fires seem to be set at Concorde every other day, <laughs> um, like French universalism sort of struggles 
to um or is that as, as a point of like conflict yeah with the idea of queerness both like as an identity but also as an identity that is completely unstable mm-hmm. um so it tends to be quite reserved like i don't know the example that i always use is like gender trouble was like a big deal for queer theory by J- judith butler yeah not read it but like i got i got the gist <laughs> <laughs> um but that was only translated into French into 2005. That's crazy. And there was a lot of resistance there because it feels like, um, an, not an Americanism, but like an Anglophone yeah. cultural import, which French culture being strong wants to resist. Yeah. But also there's the French side of like French being quite militant. Like, uh, what did Joanne say? Not Joanne, Josanne in the previous podcast, she was like, you know, the birthplace of the revolution, like yeah. French revolutionary, like, thought and like backlash versus also um it being more muted as a resistance to like anglophone mm-hmm. an anglophone idea yeah um i know it's interesting though to see those points of conflict definitely really interesting mm. what's the history of queerness in paris um history of queerness in paris. i always start i don't know you could start of it for sort of like may 68 yeah was the year before Stonewall right. and if if Stonewall um for those of you that don't know was a bar in New York which um a queer bar or if you could use it but there were like you know men and women mm-hmm. dancing with each other there were drag queens in there mm-hmm. um transgender people it was stormed by the police and people fought back and that seemed to be like the, the pivotal moment that it was not known. Queer identities were no longer going to be repressed. They started to form a voice for themselves. Um, but previous to that, there was May 68 in France. And like there, you got the front, France Homosexual Detection Revolutionnaire that was born sort of mm-hmm. under that wing of movement that was going on. Um, and that sort of seemed to take place in Paris. I don't know. There's lots of different places in Paris where the, the um, queerness is found. Such as? Um, well, historically, to come back to like Le Marais, yeah, it's like, it's interesting because it's sort of the Jewish district and the gay district all at the same time. Yeah. Um, but I feel like in terms of queerness, it seems to be more spread out throughout the city in little pockets that you have to find. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a list. Give I have it. a list of Give recommendations. <laughs> um, there's a really good bookshop queer bookshop in the 11th really yeah <gasps> what's it called it's called les mots à la bouche um it's really nice everyone in there is really nice they have like um a bon dessiné section at the back oh, cool. like um french translations of different things and french uh theorists and novels and then if you go like downstairs there's it's like the big magazine section with all of the like massive arty books that are oh, yeah it is, it is it's lovely in there yeah um in terms of also i would recommend um if you wanted like a night out there's um like like i said the Murray, there's a host of like gay bars but there's yeah. a historically geared towards like gay men mm-hmm. um but la mutinerie is i feel like a yes. ulip fave um queer feminist bar mm-hmm. also another one in the 11th bonjour madame i've not been okay so you're gonna have to go yeah and just trust that it might be good it might not be definitely good. <laughs> i'm up for the task <laughs> <laughs> i will see that we should grab a pint after this i mean it's literally the morning <laughs> <laughs> i mean why not why not um 
Uh, also, a place in the 20th I really like called La Flèche d'Or, which is really interesting as an institution. The it's gold on arrow. the gold. Ah, arrow. Is that what a La Flèche yeah, is? La Flèche, yeah, La Flèche, like F-L-E-C-H-E. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. That makes sense. I've never been able to work out what that was. <laughs> <laughs> I could have just looked it up myself. No, um, no but it's on La Petite Ceinture in the 20th, near like Gombetta, like just beyond oh, yeah. Père Lachaise. Um, uh, and it's like, a, it's all volunteer run oh, yeah. and it like raises money for um, not only queer people, but like queer people of colour and does lots of the, um, like cross-cultural events with like um, La Francophonie and like uh, North African migrants. And so there'll be like um, events in the evening and it's all like pay as you want, like that you have to pay, you're like, you pay entry, but it's like give as much as you want because it's like a charity political space. Nice. And actually the last time I went there, I like the security guard stopped us at the door. and was like, gave us a little speech like, oh, just, you know, like everyone's welcome here. This is a political space like don't which is amazing to get a from an institution also from security guards like security guards can be a right nightmare to deal with a lot of the time um but you go and yeah the wine's cheap and they do lots (laughs) of interesting things i've always had a good time when i've been there yeah that's super interesting yeah and i really like that before you even get in there like this is how you need to treat the space yeah it's not just any old bar that's really good yeah does it feel like a really safe space it feels like yeah i've always felt safe to do whatever you want in there yeah um amazing and it's because it's like in an old train station on the pussy center like it's got really high ceilings gorgeous and the smoking area is quite nice (laughs) bonus bonus like yeah you know what i mean like it's not one of those i feel like in those of bars the smoking area is just like in the cellar yeah (laughs) and it's like shut the door and just deal with it the smell the smell yeah that is the advantage of it being slightly further out there is actually space love that even more of a bonus even more of a bonus can you tell us a bit about your dissertation that you're writing um yes i can i shall do my best (laughs) um my dissertation is about uh the french author herve guibert which if anyone did or does queer politics will know is um, a French author who wrote um, famously, his most famous book was Alami qui n'est pas sauvé ma vie, which he wrote about um, his experience with AIDS and his experience with AIDS was the end of his life. And my um, dissertation is basically about sort of the conflict between AIDS as this sort of monolithic idea um, this like metaphor of illness for being like the the prescribed that like discourse was people that get AIDS are like the sick ridden homosexuals at the edge of society who will then just you get AIDS and then it's you're sentenced to death and then you die and that's it. Um, oh. But what what I find really interesting about Guibert, what he does is that he writes about it in such a well the chapter that I'm writing at the moment is all about like the sensual like the body like the way that he writes is very like fleshy and real and you can really like get a sense of like the smell and the like cold clinical walls of all the things that he mm. touches so it's all both to do with like the way he writes and also how he writes yeah because he's he wrote so much in the two years before his death so it's sort of like him the way in which he writes and then like form and content like the literary space as like a resistance of that discourse and his own death right Super the reanimating of the corpus, corpus in both terms of body and literary corpus. Wow. That's my whole. 
Toby, that's amazing. Yeah, well, I've got to bloody write it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Let come back to me when it's finished. Definitely. Did he write about Michel Foucault? Have I made that up? Um, yes, he did. I mean, partly, see, I have a little grievance with this because okay. Alamy, like that book. Yeah. A lot of the reason it did well because it was like the scandalous revelation of Foucault's final days because right. his family tried to cover it up. Really? Yeah. So Michel Foucault's sister were like, um, because no one, like, no one wanted it to be known. Like, if you were famous, like, dying of AIDS, that would have been, like, in the press. That would have been not great for, like, yeah. the family name. So it was all, like, kept, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, censored and kept, like, okay. um, anonymous. So then, yeah, Giba wrote about it. And wow. everyone was like, it's, yeah. And he sort of, he shot to fame. I mean, it's a really, really good book. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to say that's the reason it did well. But no. there is an element of it, because he did, yeah, scandalous. Like, what, yeah. what right did he have to reveal those secrets. Yeah, what relationship were they to, the, to each other? They were neighbours. Oh, really? Yeah, they were neighbours and they were friends. That's so cool. I mean, I feel like we live in an era where people like to speculate yeah, about obviously. men and their relationships yeah. and, you know, oh, they were just, oh, they were close friends. But like, no, they were, I genuinely think <laughs> they, they were. And they were roommates. And they were roommates. <laughs> <laughs> we're actually, with um, the work that I'm doing with, uh, with Elaine at the moment, she's mm. writing a book about the Louvre. And um, we're writing a chapter on queerness in the Louvre. Ah, um, fun. So interesting. And we're looking at Michelangelo and like his mm. sexuality and whether that has an influence on his art. And it's so speculative. Like people yeah. saying like, well, was it, was he his model or was it his lover? Like mm. did the influence his art in some kind of way? Like it's super interesting. That is super interesting. I'm really enjoying it. Also interesting because I feel like, um, a lot of the debate around queerness or how to treat queerness, because it's—I mean—it's a really modern idea. Like mm. it's thirty years ago. Like you, the word was a the slur. word. The word was a slur, yeah. which is why people still have problems with that today. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like are you what like you like dusting old archives about Michelangelo? Yeah, and I feel like the Louvre is such a like a like a monolith of like French art and French culture exactly. that's like really like it's supposed it's to be like very it's strong, French. very French, and really like. I don't know, I feel like untouchable. Yeah, move. massively. Yeah, like it's really respected in, in that way. So yeah. to like... And it's super interesting as well because you look at other big institutes like the British Museum or mm. MoMA in New York mm. or the Prado in Madrid and they all have art tours of queer art in the museum. I've done the British Museum one. Have you? Yeah, it's Is really it it's really good. Interesting. Or rather, I can't, yeah, they have like downloadable maps. It's like, right. you can like, yeah, it's really good. But do the Louvre, but the Louvre have doesn't have that. Which is super interesting. And then also, so they tend to avoid addressing sexuality in their, so they have like, what's the word? Like volume, book volumes around certain authors. So like mm. Leonardo da Vinci being one. And they don't mention his sexuality at all in the books. But then for women artists, like, for example, we wrote an article recently on Rosa Bonner, who was an artist in, like, the 19th ah. century. See, Rosa Bonner, I only know, was, like, again... From the bar. From the bar. Yeah. Another queer place to go in Paris. Exactly. <laughs> so she was an artist. And so much of the discourse around her talks about her clothing, her sexuality, the women that she shared houses with, mm. what influence that had on her art. So for female artists, it can't just be, like, she was a good artist. It's she was a good artist because she was gay yeah. or because she wore men's clothing. And there's not the same conversation with 
men around that, male artists mm. around like what influence their own personal experience has on their art. So it's super that interesting. That is super interesting. And just yeah. the fact that it's not addressed in like these big French institutions. They don't talk about yeah. like queerness, blackness, any sort of identity politics. Well, yeah, heaven forfend that yeah. France deal with its identity, <laughs> right? po- any identity politics that isn't yeah. the universal single French um. Um. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> no, literally. Mm. And that's like, I think that's what's so interesting being at ULIP and being in this kind of queer bubble is that we have such... Mm. Or rather, let's, the potentiality for it. Like, yeah. ULIP is yeah. always going to be a bubble because of the size it is and the fact that it's right. an Anglophone institution exactly. in, in Paris. But yeah, that is really interesting. Really interesting. And like, we're so... We talk so much about queerness and identity politics in mm. this space. But then you go out into Paris mm. and it's interesting how, like, you have to go out and search for these... Yeah, things. I feel like that's part of how queerness, like historically, it's always been repressed, put silent, yeah. like yeah. backdoor bars, like places you had to know where to go. Mm-hmm. And it's not something, it is still something now, even in major European cities like Paris. If you type in like top queer past go in Paris, like there's so much going on in Paris. Also outside, like in yeah. uh, like Saint-Denis, like the pride of the Bonneux, it's like a big really? thing. Yeah, I've not been. Maybe I should go this year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Paris Pride is quite like formulaic and like always does the same things. But I feel like in the Bonneux Pride is far more because you know pe- it's the people that live there that make it. Yeah. Whereas I feel like major cities, I don't know, conversations about Pride is a whole different thing. Massively. Massively. And because they do, don't they do radical Pride in Paris as well? I think I've heard about that before. Possibly, I wouldn't know. No. Super interesting. Super interesting. I've never been to a Pride, and I'm going to go to my first one this year. Well, it's really, it's so excited. Very interesting. I mean, it always ends at like like Republique, which is again yeah. like queerness versus literally like the Marianne. And that's that's where it always wow. ends. Wow. That would be such an interesting mm. essay. Even like, cause I went to, it would be such an interesting essay. Yeah. Even cause I've done, I've not, I mean, I've only done Pride in the UK, um, but I went to it in Paris last year. I was literally there for an hour, but in the hour that I was there, like they played um, Non Je Ne Regrette Rien by Edith Piaf and everyone sang it and I was like this is so cool like I so like cool. I'm only like you would only literally only get that in Paris and I'm yeah. like really um pleased to experience it definitely but, um even yeah that's so interesting about the Louvre I had no idea yeah it's I feel crazy. like because yeah queerness is only like 20 years old I remembered what I wanted to say about that queerness is like as an idea is not very old so then it feels mm. really interesting to go back historically like how much place do we as like researchers, students, yeah. um, people that are in like the academic sphere for however long we're going to be there. Mm-hmm. Like what right do we have or is it right to use that word retrospectively? Yeah. Like, can we go back to Michelangelo, which is what, like 1600s? Oh yeah. 1600s? So like, like, yeah. Like yeah. to use that word then where it didn't have that weight. No. Like how much can we like superimpose Super, it's such a difficult conversation. It's such a difficult conversation because yeah. people like I do that with my dissertation. Some people do try and treat Guibert as like an opening of like Frenchness and exploring like the French specificity of the French AIDS crisis and mm-hmm. the French queer body. And I honestly, I don't know how I'm going to do it in my dissertation, but I have a inter- like an interesting time trying to frame that. That yeah, really tricky to navigate because it is really tricky to navigate. But it's also a case of 
although we might not superimpose those ideas on those people, mm. how do we talk about them in a contemporary context? True. That's got to, it's got to be like, that's just a new way of us understanding both our present moment. Yeah. And therefore we must understand it. Yeah. It's a lens through which to see the yeah. past. Definitely. Oh, so interesting. So interesting. Love it. Was there anything else you wanted to add to today's conversation? Um... <laughs> <laughs> that was beautifully done. Beautiful well, this is why I want Julie Andrews. She can give me a bloody singing lesson at my uh, at my dinner. <laughs> like you need it. Um, no, nothing is springing to mind. No, I'm I happy feel like we've to... covered a lot there. We have covered a lot. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having it's me. So it's been such a delight. What a great way to start my week. So good. <laughs>